Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Wise Men Say podcast. You'll notice that my voice isn't Stephen's voice, which means that Stephen isn't here. So you've got me, Gareth, um, sort of te- attempting to steer things this evening. Um, but I'm delighted to say I'm joined by former Sunderland striker Lee Howie. I'm defender. Yeah, well, striker's more like exotic, isn't it, really, though? You, do, you want to be remembered as a striker and not a defender, surely? Good uh, on, then striker. Striker, see? Yeah. There you go. I was right. Um, and we've got Sunderland Eccles, uh, Phil Smith. Here as well. I thought you were going to say I was the former Sunderland striker for a minute there. I mean, well, you know, given some of the the standard football we've seen this season from some of the teams we've played, maybe um, you could get in. I, I don't I, know. I reckon I could play up front for Scunthorpe. Yeah. Well, that, that's I'm maybe a touch harsh because some of the teams we've played have been half decent. I think the standard has been a little bit better than some of us expected. And as a result, we're back now because uh, normally we'd all be done and dusted, we'd have played. South End, um, and that would have been it. Um, but as everybody knows, we are consigned to the the lottery of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think is the cliche, um, the terror of the playoffs. That's what I like to sort of refer it to. Um, it's funny because this season, I think a lot of people, was, you know, start of the season maybe would have said playoffs, and then because of the, the run of form that we had it's pretty decent and we're looking you know borderline we might go up automatic especially seven games ago um, when we were joint second with 39 games gone two games in hand on Barnsley um, and then we end up finishing fifth now I'm sure a lot of Sunderland sports would not have accepted fifth place at the start of the season however me being one of them yeah you being one of them <laughs> however if we get to the playoff final and I think if somebody said to you at the start of the season, would you take the playoff final now, one hit it going up automatically? Do you think Sunderland fans would have taken that, or would you have taken that? No, I, no promotion. <laughs> I mean, if, if you're saying we get promotion through the playoffs, and you can guarantee that, I, I, it doesn't really matter. The, the goal for this season was going up, and I think a lot rides on 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 the next possibly three games which is not where we wanted to be. I think, as you said, it's the lottery, it's the terror, it's it's everything you don't want at the end of the season. I obviously wanted that Southampton again to be to be the party time. We went down there to celebrate a, a promotion season, but it just hasn't turned out that way. I mean, from your perspective, Phil, I mean, at the start of the season, you know, would you have accepted the playoff final? Right, not, I'm not going to say the playoffs, and obviously we've got to beat Portsmouth, um, which we haven't done yet this season. Um, whisper that. Um, but... Would you have accepted that at the start of the season? I would have personally, yeah. Absolutely. Haven't seen haven't seen this squad or not even a squad come back for pre season and, and you know, the kids that were going out to essentially 
get you up to kind of 15, 16 players, never mind 25, 26. Having watched them through pre-season, kind of struggling to find that kind of identity, if you like, to the team. Having watched them in the first 20 minutes against Charlton on the first day of the season where they looked absolute, like a bit of a rabble, to be honest. If you'd said to me at that point, would you take right now a playoff final and kind of a one last chance to go up, I think I absolutely would have taken it at that point. The slightly strange thing about the season is, is that coming into it, I think what we all expected is that they would maybe start quite slowly because of the upheaval, but then they would gather some momentum and they would improve over Christmas time. And after Christmas, suddenly you would, you know, they would kind of kick on and they might go on that long winning run like you had under Roy Keane and other promotion seasons. And it's quite hard to work out why it's actually gone the other way, why they were grinding out results at the start of the season and haven't been able to do that recently. And I think that's the the interesting thing that we maybe quite haven't got our heads around yet. And maybe it is just down the you know, down in large part to losing Josh Madger and the kind of points he won earlier in the season. But I think that's why maybe at the moment there's this kind of almost flatness and this disappointment because it's kind of been the opposite to what we expected. They got themselves in a great position and have tailed off rather than maybe what we expected was it would be quite tough at first while the players got used to each other and while everyone got their feet under the table and then maybe in the new year you would start to kind of power on. But strangely, it's almost been the opposite of that. I mean, Phil, I just come back. I mean, I get what you're saying, but how many draws have we had this season? Well, we've gotten ourselves in a good position and we've ended up sitting back and we've conceded. It's happened many, many, many times. And I understand, obviously, the beginning of the season was a bit chaotic because we, we had a right uh, upheaval with new management, uh, everybody coming in with new owners and stuff. But I think the lads got themselves in a good position. I think they're, they're a good squad. They're a, I, I guess every team in, the, in, the, in League One would like some of our players. But I think, unfortunately, we just haven't achieved. We, we've conceded too many equalisers or we've, we've just managed to scrape a draw, which, is, which has been very, very dis- disappointing. You take half of them or even a third of them and we're promoted. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Because you look at it on paper, the stats up to the Coventry game, we had the third best defensive record on the league where people are saying we're leaking too many goals. Up to the game against Fleetwood, um, we had the third best scoring record in the league. Yeah, people were saying we're too defensive, not aggressive enough. Um, it's the draws really that have sort of tempered that, um, you know, I don't know, t- t- sort of distorted the, the stats in that respect because maybe we haven't scored batches of goals in a number of games. We've scored in every game but the Barnsley game this season. Um, you know, whereas Barnsley may have had a few nils in their column but then they've beaten somebody... You know, three two or three one or four one. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, do you think maybe going back to kind of Phil's point, um, and obviously coming from a player's perspective yourself, you know, we had few players at the start of the season. We kind of cobbled that team together. We, I think we won four of the first five games. Um, as players have come back in, and then in January we were strengthened. We brought in was it five or six players? I think we brought in, in January. Yeah. Do you think maybe that can disrupt things at a point? Do you think, you know, that... that I'm not saying the squad unity's been disrupted. Yeah. But it's almost like the manager's had a bit of a, a bounty of choice because that was the first time you had everybody fit as well. When everybody came in, all of a sudden you had a squad of about 28 players to pick from. Chris Maguire went by the wayside. He didn't make the bench after being one of the star players at the yeah. start of the season. You know, have, have you been in dressing room like that where you've had all, all these players coming available and then it kind of... The manager doesn't really know what to do I, with them I, probably there was a bit of that but that's what he gets paid for that's what he's the manager of the football team he has to come quickly to his, his best 11 and I still think now 
coming into the the, the game on uh, Saturday against uh, Portsmouth, I, I actually still think he maybe have a few doubts of who he's going to play if his first eleven, which is a which is a really tough place. And I think the players feel it. I think the players are looking around the trench room, wondering if they're playing or not playing. And I think it, 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 it sometimes breeds uh, a little bit of lack of confidence in yourself because the teams I've played for generally have, and the teams that normally do well are the ones that. It's the same eleven generally, or the same thirteen, fourteen who turn out week in, week out, and produce for the for the team, and, and you know where you are. I think at times, I think we've been lacking in that way. I mean, again, going back to the point about the amount of players we had at the start of the season, looking at the team that started the season, I know Charlton's probably much changed as well, and I know I think the guys who did the sort of bit of a playoff preview regarding the opposition kind of touched on this, but I think it's worth reiterating that. The day we beat Charlton 2-1, the team was John McLaughlin, Donald Love, Adam Matthews, so obviously Matthews playing left-back, um, Barney Mumba, Glenn Leuvens, Alan Ozturk, Lyndon Gooch, Lugo Nine, Joss Madger, George Honeyman and Chris Maguire. And on the bench, we had uh, Robin Reuter, Denver Hume, Brian Oviedo, Jack Baldwin, Elliot Embleton, Luke Molyneux, who um, who came on sorry for Jerome Sinclair, who came on early, and then he got injured, obviously, yeah. and went off. Um Luke Molyneux obviously out on loan. Um, Elliot Elbum's out on loan. Um, Denver Hume obviously has made an impression this season. But you look at that team, and if we had to play that now, I think we'd have a lot of very, very worried faces um, in the stands. Um, yet we won that game. Just. Just about, but we won the game. And yeah, that, yeah. that's all that matters. If we Cheers. just beat Fleetwood and we just beat Southend. Yeah. And if we just beat the play- just win the playoffs, I'll be, I'll be delighted. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But it just goes to show... It, maybe it's not so much about personnel; it's about you know mentality, character, and, and you know the way a game can a game in itself can change. Mm. Um, and actually, you know that Charlton game was a massive game for so many reasons. Um, you know the new ownership's first proper game. I know they had the the uh, Wolves game at the end of the uh, last season, but it was really was you know this is the start of the new era. Yeah. Um, and moving on to the game at the weekend, it's the biggest game of the season. Without a doubt, I mean it's win or bust, really. Yeah. Um, you know, is that going to carry the the lads through after that terrible sort of end of the season where we won like what, one in seven? I think we've won. Um, from my point of view, we're, we're just talking about the playoffs. Yeah, the mentality of the players is this is three cup finals, and you form before, you form after, for whatever it is, you just go out and you play it. Everything goes out the window. That's why it's a lottery. It doesn't matter. You cannot read anything a little bit. Yeah, we've had a bad run, but so has Portsmouth. But I'm telling you what, they'll be ready. And I'm sure Sun will be ready. They'll have, they'll have, they'll have trained all week, absolutely concentrated. It's, it's you know, a bit like the Checker Trade Trophy. They'll, they'll come out all guns blazing, and I, and I get that. And I hope everybody turns out to watch, watch it. That probably is a really, really good game. But forget about everything that's gone on. This is completely different. This is one-off games. I mean... We've played Portsmouth, what, three times now this season? Um, so we'll have racked up five um, by the time we get to the end of this campaign. Um, do you think there's been a little bit of revisionism about some of the teams at the top of the league in, in that we've we probably outplayed Portsmouth for the large spells of the games that we've played in? We haven't beaten them yet, and you know the results have to count. And we, talk, we were talking earlier, Phil, about you know, we've got the best team on paper, people say, but then every other team at the top of the league is better than us, they're faster than us, they're quicker than us, they're stronger than us, all the players are taller, all this kind of stuff. I, I think there's a I think there's a natural 
instinct as any any football fan, especially when you club like Sunderland, where you've had your fair share of difficult years where you can become a bit fatalist and you turn every other team around you into Ajax and you pour constantly over the kind of deficiencies in your team and you pick holes and where you can improve and you don't really do that with the opposition teams and if we look at Portsmouth in many ways they are absolutely what a lot of fans would say that Sunderland haven't had this year they're physical they've got big target men who hold the ball up they've got big centre-halves who don't really get beaten in the air they've got powerful midfielders you would kind of look at them and say that in a lot of ways that's where Sunderland's been lacking and yet if you go back to the game at the stadium like a couple of weeks ago Sunderland controlled it for the vast majority of it. And Portsmouth, I don't think they had a shot on target in the second half. I might be wrong on that, but if they did, it was certainly one or two and they never tested John McGotman. So it's been this slightly strange dynamic with Sunderland this season and I get why people are so disappointed that they haven't gone on and got automatic promotion because there have been spells in most games where they've really controlled it and that was another example of that where they played some really good football, completely controlled the midfield, got the ball in the wide areas, got McGeady one-on-one, which is when they're at the best. But for whatever reason, they haven't been able to do that in 90 minutes, often enough. But certainly, I think, you know, you, you can't be going into this Portsmouth game with any negativity. There's there's no reason to be at all, because for all, yes, Portsmouth are a, a very good, solid league one side, and they've definitely got things that Sunderland don't. And I would look at the centre-halves, big, strong, don't get beaten. But Sunderland have shown in, in, in large patches, and every time they've played them this season, that they can compete with them, and actually they can outplay them. I mean, even that game at Fratton Park, where they lost 3-1, I thought Sunderland were much the better side yeah. in the first half. I thought, no, they didn't create loads, but Portsmouth barely had a sniff in front of a sellout crowd. Sunderland looked in complete control, really well set up, and then obviously you get a red card at the start of the second half and it unravels a little bit. But there's no reason there's no reason to think that Sunderland can't go out and win over, over two legs. And I th- sometimes, yes, there are deficiencies in the Sunderland side, but it's very easy to get sucked into playing those up and then looking at the other teams and building them up and building on their strengths rather than... You know, there's been nothing between these two teams over the course of the season. There's no reason to think that's going to be any different over the over these two legs. I mean, have you ever played in a in a playoff before in your career? You know, not in any any of the leagues you played or anything like no, that. No, no. I mean, I played in games that we had to win, otherwise we went up or we went down, which are, which are very very similar. It's 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 do or die, really. It's uh, win or bust. Well, you had the the spell at the end of the ninety five ninety six season where we had a. F- you know, it was a bit sticky going into the end of the season. Obviously, yeah. Michael Bridges scored those two goals in that game against Huddersfield. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. You know, what's the atmosphere like in in there before the before these games? You know, what have you ever had this spell where you've gone through a bad patch and you've got some big games coming up? And you know, how do you mentally turn that around as a group? I think you've you've got to have big characters in in the dressing room, and I think that's what it is. And, and obviously, the, the manager and the coach and staff lead. Again, it's it's trying to make it light through training. It's not too serious, otherwise you just you just absolutely go into meltdown. I think before the game, I think it's just trying to keep it light training, just your normal routine. But you know, you know it's coming. You, you can feel it. You know, you're not sleeping too well. But when it comes to that changing room, you know, you, you're there to do one job, and you do get some characters. Obviously, we, we had we had a number of them in, in, in our changing room. So it's up to the guys who have been there and done it. Maybe a McGeady, Catamore, Ledbetter. They can put their hands around some of these lads who've never been in this situation. It's going to hopefully be a, a big, big crowd. It's lore on it, but they need to settle them down and just get on the game because, as, as Phil said, Portsmouth are very much beatable. We've we've dominated them for large parts, but we just haven't put them away. And I'm hoping, you know, as as it comes around, as you see, this is the fourth time we, we, we get the better of them. I think, do you think that's a slightly worrying thing coming on the back of... Um, 
you know, the last two games of the season where it was very much that in the first half against Fleetwood and then the second half, it was almost like we'd just completely switched off and then we played that way continually through the South End game. Um, you know, I know we changed the system in the South End game as well, that's 4 4 Why do you think, I mean, I don't know what your opinions on that why would he change that system in that? Is he he's not going to play four four two against any of the teams surely that were facing in the playoffs? Or was it just a needs must thing because he wanted to rest some players? Or yeah, but I, I think it was a, a dead rubber in the end, wasn't it against Southend? And I but think then it wasn't, was it? In the end, won. you could have won. If yeah. we won the game, we wouldn't yeah. have been playing Doncaster, who we've beaten twice this season. Yeah, but I think the mentality, whether or not somebody was telling them what the score was at at uh, Fratton Park, I'm not too sure if if he knew. But the, the, going into it, I think yeah. Me myself, I, I, I had no interest really in the game. I, I was very disappointed that we hadn't gone up, and we we you know, just fell away at the end. But uh, yeah, maybe maybe it was. Maybe it was just you know, second guessing and thinking. Do you know what we could probably do with these, giving these lads a, a rest? It was it was frustrating to watch. I thought because at the start of the game, I was a bit like, well, it doesn't really matter. It's you know, and then as it went on, it dawned on. I was like, well, actually, you know, if we win this game. We could be third, and I think mentally, third doesn't look too bad. You know, you I think it's, it's a massive opportunity missed because, with the greatest disrespect to Doncaster, there's been five pretty good teams in the league, and then Doncaster have been the best of the rest. But there is an absolutely massive gulf mm. in quality from fifth to sixth. As, if, know, it, if it had been two or three no, more games, Coventry probably would have gone. There. I know Doncaster yes. beat Coventry in the last day, and Coventry were out of it. But I would say Coventry might have snuck in if there was two or three games yeah, left in the season I, the way they played yeah, we, we saw when, when Doncaster came up to the to the stadium like not so long ago there was an absolutely huge gulf in quality Bad from what we saw yeah. from them from what we saw from the likes of Luton Portsmouth and even Charlton on the first day of the season had their moments for, for a lot of that large part of that game so it was it was, it was an incredibly frustrating afternoon because I think one there's been this kind of flatness this week because of the way you finished the season and you know hopefully that will by the time Saturday night comes around that will have gone but there's no doubt in that you would have had that positivity if you kicked on and got third and quite frankly you would have been playing a weaker opponent um, and you know there's there's no getting past the fact that that's a huge opportunity missed I think it will have um, you know we talked about the 4-4-2 and, and why he did that I think one thing is it will have certainly answered a lot of things in his own mind in terms of who he's going to play on on Saturday because I'm not sure anybody really put their hand up who came into the side or who was given another opportunity I actually um, thought nine did all well did well when he came into the middle and, and Sterling did alright I, I mean at the moment I'd I played probably Duncan Watmore on one leg instead of Lyndon Gooch the way he's been playing for the last five months yeah, um, unfortunately he's, he's well I don't dipped know what, I don't know what yeah. to, I mean di- there's dipped and then there's that I mean yeah. I don't know what that is you know just, what I mean just it's a complete just, lag of confidence oh it's unbelievable yeah. um, real shame because he was such a key you know, player at the start of the season. Um, I think he's still probably our leading assist maker, actually, um, which is alarming in a different respect. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's because we haven't created chances, by the way. I just think it's because we haven't... It's when good. we've been in those dominant situations in games. I mean, you look at the Charlton game, actually, away at their place. We should have been 3-0 up at half-time. Mm. You know, come back out, score your own goal, and then we're under massive pressure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, going back to the game on Saturday... You know, two very different things. I know people are going to be like, probably, you know, smashing the radio, the phone, earphones, whatever, out of the bus window, across the car, whatever they're doing, into the bath. Um, but you look at the game at Anfield, um, 
against Barcelona, Liverpool played um, on Tuesday night, um, and the atmosphere, you know, all those people coming together to to make a difference in the game, um, and they did make a difference in the game. And you know, Sunderland, like, people say, oh, it'd be, you know, it wouldn't it be great if Sunderland were like Barcelona, where they were last night, and that they had were three 0 up and shut it away and lost four three. Um, and I'm not saying that's something going to recreate that atmosphere, but I think since those flags have come in, I think the atmosphere in the stadium has improved. I think it's lifted things. Um, I'm just looking at this here um, based on some st- st- stats that Sunderland have sold just over 20,000 tickets. Um, obviously, Portsmouth have got a max allocation of two. So at the moment, the attendance for s- Saturday's game is 22,000. Now, I'm not going to like start you know, twisting about people's decisions whether they go to the game or not. And I know that there's time between now and Saturday for people to go and get tickets to the game. I know maybe there's that malaise where it creeps up and you're like, oh, God, I've got to go to the match on Saturday. I wasn't expecting that because a lot of people would have been expecting to finish fourth or third anyway, which would have pushed our home leg back to Thursday or Friday. Yeah. Um, But I'm a little bit surprised that, you know, there hasn't been a immediate uptake where people are going right we need to get along there and sort of you know all come together and try and generate that that atmosphere and I think it's one of these that will dawn on a few I think the disappointment's still there I think I think there's quite a few a lot of fans are disappointed especially to finish fifth which is our worst finish in our history I think we, mm-hmm. we've got to take that on board and I think the I mean if we finished third or second it would have still been our worst yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. but I, I get it but Ultimately, I think people are still disappointed, but I think eventually, and I know, I know my son's, you know, he'll be buying his ticket tomorrow, and I know his, his school friends are, and I think eventually by Friday, I think you'll, you'll find that 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 goes that, that that goes up. So, I haven't got up too much of a worry about how many. I mean, if it's thirty thousand again, as you say, since the flags have come up, I think the pre-match the atmosphere has really, really, really took off. It, it is; it's a, it's a special place to be when the noise is going, and it's fantastic. But the players have got to assist on that. And I well, think that, I think that's a real fair point. What I made this week on social media is that I think in the state we've we've played sixty games a season there or thereabouts, maybe a few more, um, and you know you can't say that in the stadium. The, you know, on social media, you get you know that negativity. It's it's a natural you know it's a breeding ground for negativity. But in the stadium, there's a few grumbles and groans, and you know spells where people are frustrated. But you know the prime example of the you know the polar opposites is the Accrington game where everyone's on the floor, and then Chris McGuire comes on, and all of a sudden the place is you know bouncing because we're two all and we've got a chance of winning the game. Um, but I wouldn't I would say that you know the team. Home and away has been absolutely backed by the fans, no matter how many are there this season. I think, this might sound a little bit harsh, but I think the last six games the players have let the fans down. And I think to get that belief back, especially going into the second leg, um, they're going to have to you know, perform. And not, not just play well for 60 minutes and then just not quite do enough and draw 1-1. One, one. When they're on top in the game, they've got to punish them and make take the chances and make everybody believe again. It's about time to... I'd, I'd say, I won't say it's about time, that's harsh. It, it this current moment, it's time that the players give something back to the supporters and get, got them back on side, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, it's 100% right. And, you know, we talked a little bit about, about the attendance and, 
you know, I remember I mentioned earlier that Roy Keane season where they went up from the championship and the attendances weren't absolutely massive back in those days. A lot of the attendances were smaller than what we've had this season, but the atmosphere was absolutely unbelievable. And in those days, you had the Premier Concourse open as well, so you had people a bit more spread out. But the atmosphere was amazing because people always believed that Sunderland were going to find a way to win, even when they fell behind or they were drawing late on. And I think the and I think it's up to the players to show that. And to be fair, you know, we were speaking to Lee Catamull yesterday, and he said exactly the same thing. And he said, you know, there is a little bit of a flatness at the moment, but it's up to the players in the first half an hour on Saturday night to show up the fans we're in control of this game, we're on it, and if we do that, the place will be absolutely rocking. And of course, he's he's absolutely right. It doesn't take long to shake those cobwebs off, I think, and you know, give the belief back in in the game itself. It's the result at the end that carries our belief on. Um, you know, we've seen it too many times this season where we've dominated games, chucked it in. You know, I know people say it's 19 draws or whatever it's cost. It's not really 19 draws, it's two draws really out of those games. You know, you convert them to wins, you yeah. know, you're in a lot healthier position. Yeah. Uh, so it's. it's. I mean, as I say, like yourselves, I've, I've watched many, many games and never ever obviously until the last couple of games could I doubt the lad the lad's commitment well that's it the effort's they, been there the effort has always been there and that's as, as football fans as Sunderland fans that's the obviously the least and, and they're giving it all they're giving it all obviously I think where they've and we've touched on it here uh, where, where we've been talking is other teams can blow the teams away we've never been able to we've been on top for say 60 minutes maybe or even the first half we've absolutely dominated the other teams never getting out their half and we'll create and create and create and it's 1-0 and then second half all of a sudden they get a little bit of momentum they throw it forward and then we're under the cosh the amount of games I've seen like that and then it's ended up 1-1 it's, it's, it's been very very disappointing we've, we've, we've had a team that can do so well and then just flick a switch and they're under the caution and we've struggled we've struggled on many games which should, you know which is which I've been disappointed with I think do you think the standard's been a little bit higher than maybe would have expected going uh, into this season not really no no I don't think so I think what what has happened though is uh, teams have been coming to the stadium alike and it's and it's their best game they've ever played I think unfortunately Sunderland have to play the teams that come to the stadium alight with the hundred percent commitment. I think if I was going to Kenilworth Road, would I rather try as hard as if I was at the Sol in front of thirty thousand? Probably not. I mean that extra five ten percent means a lot, and I think we've suffered that through the season. And there's a practically closed stand along the <coughs> main part of the pitch at Barnsley as well, isn't it? On one yeah. side, the, that old stand. Yeah. Um, you know, it's obviously your TV camera faces out from it. You know, it's a similar sort of thing, really. And, and you know, but the interesting thing about the attendances for Sunderland as well for for this weekend and the appetite um, when Portsmouth came up last time, um, they asked for more tickets. Um, this time, I don't think they've sold out the reduced allocation due to the um, the beef that they generated last time they came up. So I think they've got a reduced allocation. I don't think they've sold their 2,000 and it's a Saturday night as well. So yeah. that's not a bad kickoff time if you're coming up from Portsmouth really, is it, in terms of coming up in the day, mm. going to the game, staying over. Their biggest game of the season, it's the same. So if we're talking about Sunderland being on a bit of a downer because of the results that they've had at the end of the season, Portsmouth arguably, you know, refle- using that as a, you know, as a barometer, you could argue that they're probably as low as us at the moment. 
um, because they've chucked it really. I mean, that's what I said earlier. So they've yeah. been a yeah. good one. And I tell I mean, you, well, what, they, mind you, they won seven on the bounce, played us to Drew, and then they took a point from the last two games. You know, I couldn't believe actually Portsmouth came to us and just settled for a point. And they'll do that again, is that it? It's just, well, but I just think it's incredible yeah. like that they needed to win that game. They needed to win that game and they they, they didn't pressurise it. I mean, some would say, and I think Sunderland played well in that game and, and restricted Portsmouth and didn't let them, um, you know, maybe do what they wanted to do, which is a positive thing for us. Um, but I was just really surprised that they didn't throw the kitchen sink at it and think, you know, well, we might as well, if we win this game, we've got a brilliant chance of getting up automatically and then I, I just can't, I can't, still baffles me that, but I, I don't know what you thought at the time. It, it, was a, it was a very strange game because I think it was obvious that nobody was going to go completely for it early on because the last thing you want to do is kind of put yourself out the game early on, but what you what you were kind of waiting for was that point of 70, 75 minutes where suddenly it becomes very open and everyone decides, right, we need to win this and Portsmouth just just never did. They just sat in and they were happy to slow the game down and and to be honest, I wasn't hugely surprised they went and lost a couple, a couple of days later because I think it, from their perspective, it just must have been a very deflating performance to have won seven, to have put yourself into a fantastic position to then draw at Sunderland, which not a terrible result as of itself, but to play that way, must, I think must have knocked a, the wind out of the sails a little bit. And you know, it, you, you read the comments from fans, from the manager, from players down there. That you know, they're pointed Accrington last weekend. The reaction has been very similar to what we had after losing to Southend. And I think what you mentioned there about the about the tickets and the fact they've struggled to push them is obviously a cost factor in that as well, given oh, they yeah, were up absolutely. here a couple, of, a couple of weeks ago. But it also, I think, reflects the fact that both clubs are probably at this point in time feeling a pretty huge emotional and mental yeah. fatigue because both teams have had such a long season. Don't don't forget that Portsmouth were running away with it at Christmas yeah. and they looked like they were going to storm the league, went on a terrible run, then had that unbelievable weekend at Wembley, then looked like they were going to do it again and then fell away again. And so both sides, I think, are probably still trying to just deal with this almost mental fatigue of this. Oh God, we're going to have to lift ourselves again for one kind of one kind of last push. So they're, they're certainly not coming to Sunderland in, in better shape or better confidence or, or a better mood. I mean, the numbers are the two most well-supported teams in the division, aren't they? You know, I mean, Bradford obviously well-supported too. Obviously, unfortunately for them, they got relegated. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that it does reflect it. But I think when it gets to tomorrow. And you know the press, you know Jack's press conference happens, and then people start talking about who's available for the game and all that kind of thing. And all of a sudden, it'll be like, "I need to get to the game." You know, the, all that negativity, you know, will disappear and it'll turn into the. You know, it was like in the Premier League, you get beat off. You know, I don't know anybody <laughs> Wigan one <laughs> nil. It'd be the worst thing in the world. Then you'd be like, you know, I think it was actually four nil. Yeah, yeah. At, ten, at, at yeah. Uh, ten to three on Saturday, when you've got like Chelsea at home, you believe like you're going to win the game. Um, you know, and, and and it'll be the same. You just hope that people get down there and get behind them because, you know, together, you know that 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 goal on the first day of the season, going back to my point, right at the start of the show. You know, the supporters. You know, suck that ball into the net. Yeah. The will, the wanted that win, because we knew we knew it, it would be the catalyst. Um, but you th- do you think it's going to be anything but? I mean, you th- no, I'm not. I'm not saying it won't be. But, but even if it's twenty five thousand, maybe 30, I've just been spending too much time yeah. on social media, <laughs> seeing everybody like everyone should be sacked, everyone should be 
released, you yeah, know, that's... exact sort of thing. But, you know, you, it becomes the echo chamber and you're sitting there and everyone's saying these things and you start to believe it. But I mean, Gareth, I am really disappointed. I mean, like, I mean, really, really am. I'm just, just so disappointed at how the, 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 the season panned out in terms of wanted us to you know, go on and win it by a long way. I was one of these one of these fans who really thought we should have, and, and I am disappointed. But am I not going to game on Saturday? Well, I support, of course, because ultimately you've just got to think, right, the goal was to go up, and if we, we can still do that. And all the positivity has to be with the players. The players understand yeah. the situation, and ultimately, as Joe Phil was saying, the two, had, the two teams have had fatigue, must be absolutely done in after what's going on, the ups and the downs of the season. But it comes to the mental strength, Who's going to be the strongest? Who's got that best dressing room? And for me, Sonnen has to get out the blocks quick and really, as I say, start to dominate because I'm sure Portsmouth players will not relish coming to us no. again and having to get chase and chase and chase because that's what they do because we kept the ball off them for yeah. long, long periods of the time. I mean, some of their better players had quite poor games the last time they came up. I mean, mind the Curtis, the winger, He's supposed to be one of their best players this season. I know he scored in the first game. He was dreadful in, in the final. Yeah. And then the lad who came on changed the game for them. And then he was absolutely worse in the in the game up here. Yeah. Um, so maybe they've got an issue in playing in front of, you know, you know, in those atmospheres away from home. Although their way record was pretty good. I mean, I think they've their, their home record's not been but the best this it? season. Can they deal with the pressure? Because playing at home in front of your home fans when it's a sellout is is a difficult place to be. Sometimes when when things are not going too well, it's again it comes down to that mental strength always. I mean, well, it often doesn't go too well in front of many people at Sunderland, so <laughs> we we should be used to that by now. Um. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Going on to the uh, the game itself and <clears throat> main comment around the management and everything's been, you know, does he even know his best team? That's been the... the the barber recently, you know, he's changed this, he's changed that. You'd expect McGeady to be involved. He's obviously just been rested and he was obviously playing, you know, he must be healed up a little bit better than he than he was before, you'd hope so. It doesn't really matter, does no. it? He can play on You'll play. one one toe yeah. if he wants. and Inject him. Yeah. Maguire will be, is, is, is back. He's played a few games. Um, you know, he rested Honeyman. Morgan, I would say, has probably been 
one of our best players recently, um, and he's going to come back. Um, you know, Power's probably come into a little bit of form. I would say over the last sort of month, he's played decent, and Ledbet has been on the bench. So we've got all these options again. So why didn't we go up? <laughs> exactly. But I'm just saying, you know, what, what, looking ahead to that game, what are you thinking in terms of selection? I mean, the centre backs again is a big discussion. Um, the left back situation with James being out, it's been like, do we play Oviedo or do we play Hume? Um, you know, what what are your thoughts on that on on that selection the the weekend? I think you go with what he went with when we were doing okay. So he'll, he'll go with. I, I believe he'll, he'll probably be done, maybe. And, and so you think he's going to bring Dunn back? Maybe. I, I, I would actually keep Ozturk in because I think he's actually done all the basics that I've, we've been missing by I think the, out of the other defenders. All, of the places, I think we can all have our opinions. Who we play? Is it Greg? Is it White up front? Are we playing the, the two up front? Are we playing one sitting with Maguire? Is McGee? You know, I think the midfield and forward lineup. I think picks itself again. It's a flip up between Oviedo and Hume. I'm, I'm happy with either. I'm not bothered. But I would two centre backs has been a huge issue recently. And I think when he swapped the two of the lads out, when he swapped Flanagan and. Uh, and uh, Baldwin Baldwin out for the two, and there was a dunk and the dunk here. Yeah, we got we didn't concede in that game. They went, you know, it was a bit more basic. It was just like umpet and kick it, but dunk as, as we've just touched on, Doncaster and, and not a Portsmouth. And I think, and I think at times it looks like our central defensive uh, partnerships is it doesn't matter which one we're playing. I think that it's a lot of confidence lacking that again. And I'll go back to confidence. It just seems to be. Which just saying every time the ball comes in the box and stuff, it just seems to be a panic, which is a real worry to me. When I when I look at it, you, you need that real real strength through the spine of the team. Yeah, I mean, if if we're having this discussion about why Sunderland haven't gone up automatically, well, of course, there's there's an awful lot of reasons and it's very complicated. But the fact that we could just sit here and discuss who should play in each one of the four positions in defence ahead of the first leg of a playoff semi final, I think gives you a pretty good indication of why they haven't gone up, because I don't think any team that gets promoted. I think they all have pretty settled defences. Yeah. I would argue that you know if if you look at Portsmouth, I can stri- say straight away, Clark and uh, Watmore. Watmore has been injured. You know, Luton, Pearson, and Bradley, Barnsley, Pinnock, and Lindsay. They've played every, pretty much every game together, and they've had that stability. And I think you know the fact that we're going into a game, such a huge game, potentially you could have a discussion over who plays in each of the four defensive positions. Mm. You know, that's a sign of something that clearly they didn't didn't quite come off in terms of recruitment and it's but been a big factor all in, season in terms of that is not a case maybe in some areas it's been the injuries that have caused the changes definitely in the full back areas because Matthew was constantly injured Hume was injured Oviedo's been injured um, so all the left backs have had spells where they've been out um, Matthew, obviously I say Matthew's been injured and Unlion came in there and he's, he's been fit and available and he's done a you know a decent job there Um Centre backs, I know that you know Flanagan's had a few, you know, knocks and he didn't start the season. Over the course of the season, you'd probably say that Flanagan's been the best right of on. the four. Yeah. Obviously, Ozturk clearly wasn't fit at the start of the season. Um, not too injury, I don't think. Well, no, he did have an injury in pre-season, actually, didn't he? Um, and then I think maybe you know what we were talking about before about maybe having this bounty of options and as a result messing it up. Dunn might have. You know, they brought him in. Probably thought, right, we'll stick him straight in. He's going to play, and he hasn't delivered really, has he? So then it becomes a problem. The Burton and Coventry games, where we've played four four two and completely exposed them. Mm. Coventry game, obviously, the 
cherry on the the cake of exposing your centre backs in yeah. terms of the result, and then he has to change the two centre backs, you know, for the next game because he can't play them again after that. But if I think if we'd gone with a five in the middle against Coventry, they wouldn't have conceded four goals. No. So, <clears throat> but it's a mix. It's a mixture, isn't it? It's not just the individuals. Yeah. It's it's a few different factors, including team selection and the manager himself, who's maybe put pressure on those individuals. Mm. And when they haven't delivered, I mean, Baldwin is definitely a confidence player, isn't he? I mean, we saw in the African game, didn't we? What happened there? He yeah. had an absolute nightmare, and then went disappeared again. He's disappeared again. Now we haven't seen him since Coventry, have we? He hasn't even no. been in the squad. No. Um. So I guess he has to. It has to be one of two of Flanagan, Ozturk, and 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 done now, doesn't yeah. it? Is it, but then if he changes, it takes Flanagan out, brings Dunn back in because that was a combo that got the last nil-nil. It's like, well, he's changed the defence again. Do you just be right? Listen, lad, you're going to have to just, you know, find your form. Yeah. It is odd because, I'll be playing centre-half myself, that partnership between your other centre-half is absolutely key. And across the, the back four, to be able to move across together, to fill the holes, to communicate, to talk to each other. It's a massive part of the game. And to keep chopping and changing, and and maybe your other centre halves not quite on it, that 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 infests itself in, in terms as well. So, but unfortunately, the lads have just got to wipe what's gone on the last few games out of their heads because ultimately, if the lads perform and we get a clean sheet again, and then the confidence rises, and that's what we need. That's what we've got to hope for as fans, because ultimately, if we worry, we can we can pick holes. In in the which formation we're playing, who's playing where, but ultimately it just comes down to ninety minutes on Saturday evening, and and and, and to see who comes out on top. Who would you want to play with out of the four? Flanagan. Flanagan. I play with Flanagan. I think he attacks the ball well, uh, and and Dunn's okay. I mean, not they're all much of a muchness to me. There's there's not much between them, so. I guess I would look in the change room and see who was looking the most confident. I think would 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 how I would look at it. And if you were playing the, you know, who would you want either on the on the left hand side of you, for example? I think Oviedo. You want Oviedo. I think uh, Hume's a fantastic player. I rate him very very highly. But again, I think it comes down to more experience in the big games. You know, you just just got to stick stick him in there. You know, just I mean, I don't want what Brian's like in terms of his communication across the line. I'm sure he's a. He's an international. I'm, I'm sure he, he works that way. And, and then you've got all nine on the right. So th- th- there's your there's your four. There shouldn't even really be a debate about Oviedo, should there? I know. And, well, and ultimately, know. there's you know you've you've got to ask ask questions of him in that sense because there absolutely should not be a debate about whether he should be starting ahead of Denver Hume, who's got what f- fifteen senior appearances in his career. There shouldn't be a debate. Brian Oviedo should be so the best player have in that, the league. Have that position locked yeah. down to such a massive extent. That we're not even discussing it, and you know we can talk about the management, and that's that's absolutely fine. But particularly in the last month, not enough players have, have put their hands up and taken opportunities. And I would say Oviedo's the the perfect example of that. You know, for a player of his experience and and qualities, he's not done anywhere near enough in games. And I, personally, I would go for him again on Saturday for the reasons we've just talked about his experience and his quality. But it, it really shouldn't be a debate. It shouldn't be a discussion we're having. And the fact we, the fact that we're having that discussion, you know tells you that what he's done over the last month or so is not is not been good enough. So the front three, I was thinking, um, White through the middle. Definitely. Um, yeah. McGeady, obviously. 
Would you and Morgan on the other side? Has yeah, to be. Has to be. percent. I think I think when we're talking about Maguire, and he has played a couple of games, but don't quite he's quite at his best. So I think impact player maybe bring him on. I think that's that's about as best we can ask for Maguire. I just think I'd be tempted to find a way to get him in. I'd be tempted, and this is going to be some might say it's not controversial. Others will, but I'd be tempted to to drop Honeyman and put him in in front of the two, especially say you decide to go back to Ledbetter and yeah. Catamore, where we've probably been our most productive after Christmas with those two in the middle. Yeah, and I've, I like Power. I think he's done well recently, but I'd be tempted maybe, especially with what um, Ledbetter gives you from set pieces, because yeah. every opportunity is going to be vital in terms of you know chances to score. I'd be tempted to go with him and and, and cut them all in there and Maguire in front, and that's not that's not because I dislike um, uh, Honeyman. I just feel as though he links he link that play, he link the play. I I agree, and I think that would be the first change. I think if anything was going wrong or we needed a change, I think think mind you, um, Morgan runs out of steam after sixty minutes, so there's an argument to say he could start Maguire and bring Morgan on, or take Morgan off and bring Maguire on wide. I think by the looks of things, Jack Rocks likes the legs. He likes Morgan. You know, he's he's busy. I just yeah. I mean, he is running his heart out for sixty minutes. I mean, you, you can take that and say the same as, as George Honeyman. I mean, he he runs around. I mean, that's the, the, I mean, sometimes we can always uh, doubt his his quality at times, and you know, he gets a bit of stick, George. But again, you you, you cannot cannot limit his his commitment. This is fantastic. He, I mean, he just has the legs around, and I think that's what the manager will go for early doors. And then if he needs to change it, he'll bring on a bit of guile in in, in Maguire. What about yourself, Phil? Um, I did. I would. I would agree with you. I think I would. I, I want to get Ledbetter back in that side somehow, um, and I think Power would have to be the one to make way because I think Catmull picks himself. Yeah. He's the first name on my team sheet for for a game like this. I just think that one. I think the set pieces thing could be important, but I just think Ledbetter, although he was you know disappointed at South End, I just think when we talk about the balance of the side and also protecting those centre backs. I think when Sunderland have been at their best in the last few months, it's because Grant is constantly shown for the ball. He's always there to take the ball. He'll always take the ball off the centre-backs, always offer an option. And I think if you want to try and, you know, as we talked about with Portsmouth, if you want them to get them chasing the ball, get them chasing you for an hour, make them feel under pressure, get the crowd going. And I think the way that Ledbetter, if he's at his best, can, can set the tempo and control the game, I think you've got to get him in the team. And then it probably does come down, as you said, to between Maguire and Honeyman, which is a difficult one because... I would go for Maguire just because of that character, the way he links up the play, the runs he makes. But George, from what for me, the season tends to be very, very effective in the first half. Disrupts things, gets about, makes really good runs into the channels beyond the striker. And then he's one of those players who sometimes in the second half isn't as effective and can drop deeper and deeper and he can get sucked into dropping in. So it's a really interesting debate because do you play Honeyman because he tends to be effective early on because of that energy and then you can bring Maguire on? because of his intelligence in terms of the positions he pulls into when the game gets a bit more stretched. I'm not sure it's a it's a it's a really big But it's got op- it's got play. options, isn't it? And this is maybe why it's been so difficult for the manager to pick the team at times. I know you're saying Lee, you know, it's it's his job and all that, but it's it's diff- it's difficult to do that and get that balance right with that group he's got. What I would say about Maguire is I just think he's a big he's a big occasion. You know, the thing about back to the Peterborough game at the time, which was like the big game, wasn't it? The mm. first probably big game of the season when we played Peterborough. And he was unbelievable. In the first yeah. half, he Another was Another game we should have won about 6-0. Oh, oh, no. In the first half, he was just ridiculous. And then the second half, you know, when he cr- we were down to 10 men, he, you know, pulls the ball down out the sky and puts a perfect cross in for the, for the, for the goal that put us into the lead. You know, he can... 
I just think when Maguire you can just do like McGeady can do something in the moment. I would say Maguire's the other one who can do something. Who could in a game where you're playing dreadfully but you've managed to stay in it and it's nil nil, he might stick one in the top corner yeah. from twenty five yards. No, no, if you remember I was a Early this season, yeah, were, no, yeah. when I was the only one that's in. I don't think I like McGoy's quality. <laughs> yeah. and stuff so you remember that, day? Yeah, I just, just did it. <laughs> have you but, written that down and bring in? Have you? I've, I've got remember. the date. Yeah. I've got the date. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I think the lad's just—he's just come back from a broken foot. I mean, there's there's only so much you can do, and to start him is would be a, a real, real big test. And and do you know what? He started the last two, and he so yeah, but they're not as going to be as big as this. And I think. What I've seen from Jack Ross, I think he'll go with his tried and trusted, you know, formation in terms of bit of legs. Honeyman will push. He'll he'll run all day. He'll, he'll bomb forward. He'll do it. And if I get forty five minutes an hour out of him, great. Morgan, I'll do the same, and then I can change because the bench is strong. And I think I mean, what, what more could come back into contention? I, mean, I guess we'll find out tomorrow. He's been training. Yeah, second leg, I think. Yeah, I mean, if he's ready. To, to be involved in the bench you've got to stick him on there at the moment because as I say with, with Gooch I don't think it's just not a change you'd, you'd make in the game in, in my opinion I think the, the reaction moment. I think that reaction from the crowd wouldn't wouldn't help wouldn't help Gucci no. either I, th- I think I think the yeah, I think what more would come and be he's not being, he's not he wasn't great when he came back into the team and obviously the same thing is going to be the case where he's not going to be fit mm. and he was still gaining fitness when he got injured but You've got three games. You know, you've got to just... Is who's going to give you the best chance of doing something in one of those games? Is it going to be Lyndon Gooch or is it going to be Duncan Watmore? At the moment, I'd say it would be Duncan Watmore. Yeah, you give Duncan 15 minutes and just says, go on, so run. Yeah, and you, know, you can. Put them under pressure, get yeah. in behind them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think... Uh, we basically kind of agreed on what the team should be in some respects, but maybe <laughs> I think I think most know. I think most of it picks itself. To yeah. be honest, I think the last couple of games have kind of determined that. You know, the players who could have made it potentially difficult probably haven't. To be to be brutally honest, I think it boils down to a we kind of know what shape we'll play broadly. It just boils down to kind of like one or two decisions, I think, and probably whether you go with Honeyman or whether you go with Maguire is probably going to be be the big talking point, I think, and and he'll probably tell us a lot about how he's going to approach the game. Finally, people kind of sum that up there. I think you know. I think talked about that enough. The fear is starting <laughs> to like intensify in my body. Um, on a slightly lighter note, Lee, yeah, you've been out. Shout out to NASA, not oh. the space station people. No, no, no. Um, the space American. station people is that what? That's what Donald Trump would probably call them. Yeah. The space station guys. <laughs> um, yeah, not them. The North American Sports Association. You went out there, didn't you, for their um, AGM? Um, you know, and did some bits and bobs. Uh, yeah, it was there. What was that like? Absolutely fabulous. I mean, I, I wished I could name out all of them, but I, obviously, I mean, uh, Rachel was the one who, who organised it for us with uh, Actually, Toronto, is it? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and and, and Degsy was the first one to, to uh, contact us. I think uh, I couldn't go last year uh, because I was actually on my own summer holiday and thought I'd missed the chance. But thank thank God they uh, they invited me again. <laughs> uh, it was a fabulous time. Arrived, hospitality was fantastic, and and obviously it's a, it's a it's a general mix of expats and, and and some Americans who've just just fell in love with Sunland. What's the passion like for Sunland for those people who are not indigenous to these parts? I mean, what I mean, why why the support in Sunland? I think some of them have, have come over. One story was uh, was was 
a lad who just came up for one year to study, and his his friend was a Newcastle fan. It took him twice, and then they got, he went enemy now. Yeah, and then he went, <laughs> then he went to Sunderland, Sunderland game at Rocker Park, and he just fell in love, and, and he's and he's been in love ever since. And that was that was you know fifteen years ago. So, and this is the sort of stories you get from them and people who they still try to come over and that they meet. Uh, it's a ten o'clock kickoff in the morning, and uh, but they they meet regular to every game, and it's and it's just great to feel that passion, and and obviously having a few beers with them after the game, and in some of the, some of the evenings. It was a Portsmouth game you were there for, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, and the, again, it's the same. I could have been anywhere, anywhere in Sunderland with a bunch of fan, fanatical fans, and they just. Uh, it was just it was just fabulous, and obviously if they'll be listening because they say they listen to all the podcasts uh, on the way to work, and they'll they'll pick this up. And yeah. so again, a, a massive massive thank you to them all. They, they, were, they were fantastic. Is anybody uh, there on the back of Sunderland till I die, or is it too early for them to join yet? Was anyone there mentioned it? Yeah, yeah, yeah they've, they've 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 seen it. And no, I'm just saying people who like weren't Sunderland supporters and watched it and then decided. I, I I did ask I did ask the question. I think some of them haven't come on the back of it, but. When they've gone to work themselves, and, and some of the, some of them have watched it and, and, and thoroughly enjoyed it, and now now obviously <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, in terms of <laughs> yeah. there's only some of the fans don't enjoy it. I yeah, mean, as, yeah. as a football story and how yeah. how bloody horrible it was, and how yeah. we felt. I think people have a bit of empathy for us in yeah. terms of what went on and how we do. And I think it has put Sunderland <clears> on the map in, in in places that we probably never even recognised. But again, I think I think it can only be a good yeah. thing. But we just need a bit more success, and I think that if we can get that, and if we can get up, I think that will build. It's funny actually because um, when we had the guys from Four One Seventy Three on, we did that special with them, and um, they were basically saying we asked them a question at the end: if you could film um, something till I die yeah. in any season in the past, which season would it be? Um, and I can't remember who it was who said it. Yeah, but. Um, basically they said that the season they'd pick was when we played Charlton in the playoff final yeah so it's on it's on <laughs> it's still there it's on the cover yeah. the the remake is on um, of that season nearly, oh, 20, yeah. nearly 20 years I, as I hope, well I since hope it doesn't turn out this year well absolutely not I don't think Mickey Gray is playing anymore so you know he's not going <laughs> to miss that penalty is he yeah. Maybe it'd be someone else. Lee Catmore's already missed one. Tell you what's going to happen. We'll play Charlie in the final. Lee Catmore's score last minute winner. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. I nearly put two quid on Liverpool winning 4 0, but then I did. Uh, yes. I don't think you would have got very good odds. You know, I was looking, they weren't that really? great. No, yeah. no. There was, the, the, the odds weren't that great on it, to be honest. But hey, that's why we love football, and I think that's why people will turn out on, on Saturday night, because yeah. we just, we always, we always yeah. believe, don't we? I think those uh, Barcelona centre backs might have had a few quid on Liverpool winning 4 0. <laughs> like. Especially that corner. I mean, I don't want to digress too much, but like, is that the best corner I've ever ever seen? Is us being rubbish at set pieces all season and just booting the ball out at the far post, hitting everything? That was unbelievable. Um, but yeah, yeah. But as a as a as a Barcelona fan or Barcelona coach, and you're looking at them players not looking at the ball, um, that is just schoolboy stuff. It's it's incredible. That's the semi final of the European Cup and. Well. Yeah, Champions League. But hopefully on Saturday um, we can sort of generate an element of the level of atmosphere that was in Anfield on, on Tuesday night. And, you know, they were in a far greater, you know, hole than, than we are. And, you know, we've gone toe-to-toe with uh, Portsmouth. We haven't beaten them this season, but we've been good enough to beat them and we can beat them on Saturday. So if you haven't got your ticket yet or you think they're all going, go and get it. Get it. And get, get behind the lads on Saturday. 
doesn't matter what's gone on before the season's done like Lee was saying it's finished it's in the past we've got three games now a win and a draw in the next two that'll do the job get the final we'd love a 1-1 in the second leg we've won the first leg <laughs> nobody would be moaning about 1-1s then and then anything can happen in the final so you never know. Doncaster might be sharp. You, you could, you could one-one your way all the way to the championship. One brilliant drawn penalties, one-one. <laughs> yeah. Just a bit like when Needy was one-one in that. Well, it was one-one for ages, wasn't it? In that Man United yeah. semi-final, one-one one, all the way. Yeah, but yes, that would be the best way to go with a one-one draw. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, on penalties. penalties. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I'll just take a simple victory in the final. <laughs> I, I don't think I could. I couldn't think I'd take penalties again no. at Wembley. Thanks very much. But yeah. As I say, get get down to the ground on on Saturday and and back them, and you know, I think they'll do it for us. Yep. Thanks yep. for listening. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.